0: Father, we worship you, you. we praise you, we magnify you. Father, we could never thank you enough, we could never praise you enough for your grace and your goodness and your mercy. And Father, your words be said, your deeds be done, your glory be made manifest. And Lord, help us, help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we bid thee come. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Word and Spirit of the Fall Edition, heading into the Winter Edition of 2022. Praise the Lord. So we appreciate all of you coming out on this first day of November. Uh, If you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and turn with me. Let's start with the book of Romans, chapter 13. I always look forward to these Tuesday nights because we get to share on topics that we won't necessarily or could not necessarily share on a Sunday morning. You know, I'll say when I preach on Sunday mornings, it's soup because you have people of so many various uh, spiritual levels, even lost people, and, you know, soup, you know, everyone can stomach soup, you know, broth is really easy to swallow, but, uh, you know, I, you know, whenever we have soup, you know, y- y- we like to dig in deep and get to the meat that, that sinks at the bottom, so uh, even on Sundays, they'll, they'll get uh, some parts of meat in it, but, uh, I mean, you know, on Tuesdays, it's more meat and potatoes, the deeper things. Amen. And so, I trust that these are a blessing to you. If not, I just preached myself. Preach me happy and you get to listen in on it. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, as we said before, um, this semester, we're doing things a little differently. Normally, I take one or two topics, and uh, I go on and on and try to exhaust that subject, but just seemed good to me and the Holy Ghost just to share things, uh, topics that come to my heart, not necessarily one or two things, but just kind of following the Spirit of God and communicating some things. Uh, We started off by looking at a subject I never talked about, about the prophet, personality, and preferences And um, how important that is for us to understand that when God moves, it isn't just God Himself. God uses people and uh, sometimes the flavoring of the person comes through. And we have to be mature about it and discern it. Uh, What what is God? What is the man? And and not be. Don't stumble over it when you you see a little bit of a man getting on the inside. It's part of the design of God. God uses men. And so we, we looked at those things. And then a couple of weeks ago, we started on a subject that I'm calling responding to leadership or responding to spiritual authority. Now, of course, uh, we had Dr. Webb in, and uh, those were great, great meetings, and uh, so we were not able to share after that. Then I was uh, in Branson, Missouri, with Reverend Randy Greer uh, last week, and so we're just going to go ahead and pick up on that. Uh, we'll do some review, because we always have newer people with us, and also, it's been a couple weeks, and you may forgot what in the world, what in the world was he talking about, well, Regardless if this is your first time hearing it or you, you didn't listen and you were here, you're going to know what we're talking about. And so, um, first of all, in Romans chapter 13, we, we took this as an introduction. Again, we're looking at responding to leadership or authority. And primarily, we're going to be looking at spiritual leadership, spiritual authority. And uh, we, we see this in Romans thirteen one through 2. I'm reading out the King James Bible. It says, let every soul, that means everybody, be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation." Of course we all know that powers here in King James, uh, your version may read it differently, simply means authority. Well in this case government or civil authority. So it tells every Christian to be subject or to submit to civil authority, political authority, uh, the, the systems that we call uh, of men, but to here we, we see that uh, God has set them up. These authorities, government, believe it or not, was set up by God according to the Bible. Now, what are we to do? How are we to respond to civil, or we could almost say this way, natural authority. In the Bible is very clear. It says we are to submit ourselves or be subject to them, to obey them, to, to follow uh, their dictates and, and so forth. And so here... Uh, we, we see that, number one, of course, God set up civil authority or government, and it tells us what our response should be to them. We are to submit or subject ourselves. Now, what is very interesting, and we're not really uh, teaching on civil authority, but if you read in Romans chapter. 13, every time I get a new Bible, sometimes I go through a Bible every six months because I use it as a coloring book. I like to highlight, write notes, and then there's no more space and i got to get another one. Um, that uh, in Romans 13, I always underline where it says this, that they are God's ministers. Three times the Bible says that civil authority or government are God's ministers. And so... Uh, I didn't write the book. God did. You know, and that's what God said. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times we have a lot of bad things to say about our government. But, uh, um, you know, if you read on, the chapter says, give honor. To whom honors do. Give fear. Give reverence. It tells us to pay our taxes. And so, not only are we to subject, we're, we're to honor we're we're to give uh, deference to, we're we're to pay taxes. So the Bible is very clear about civil or natural authority. How we respond, how how we're to act, uh, what are we to do under civil authority. Um, And uh, notice what it says in verse 2, whoso therefore resisteth the power or the authority resisted the ordinance of God. So when we resist government, say I'm anti-government, I don't need to obey the government, we are we are resisting what God has set up. And notice what it says in the King James Bible, they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation now that sounds like a very powerful world that means if you don't obey your your government you're going to hell no that word damnation uh, a better word is condemnation or judgment believe it or not uh, being resistant bad-mouthing your government can bring judgment upon yourselves. You know, and there's a lot of people have a lot of things to say about our government in 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 a bad way. Now it doesn't mean that we agree with everything, but the Bible's very clear that we are to honor the king. You know, not to slander the king, not to belittle not to joke about the king, not to, you know, you know, just go out and post a lot of bad things. You know, we we can open the door to the enemy. And again, I didn't write the book. God did and so we simply took this as a opening text to look at God set up civil authority it tells us number two what how would respond to that authority and number three uh, the consequences of not submitting not responding properly to civil authority now with that in mind we ask the question, has God set up spiritual authority? Is there spiritual authority in our life? Does the Bible tell us that we need to respond to spiritual authority in a certain way? And if so, uh, are there blessings involved? Are, is there judgment involved if we choose to resist the spiritual authority that God sets up. And again, no man is qualified to speak on this alone. We must look to the Word of God. What does God say about this? And so our golden text on this short series will be in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. And we're looking at three things. Has God set up spiritual authority what are we to do concerning spiritual authority if he has set it up? And are there consequences for resisting or rebelling spiritual authority that's been set up in our life? We saw it very clearly with civil authority, but now let's look at what the Bible says about spiritual authority. So Hebrews thirteen seventeen says this, Obey them that have rule over you. So there is an authority here. There is leadership over us. And again, it's written to Christians. And we see this word, submit yourselves. So there's, he's talking about someone who has authority, that has leadership, and he's telling us that we are to submit ourselves. So what kind of authority is he talking about? Well, let's read on. For they watch for your souls. Well, right away we know it's not talking about civil authority. We know they're certainly not looking after our souls, are they? And so what kind of authority, what kind of authority would watch out for our souls or for our spiritual life? No doubt that is spiritual authority. And so we we see here that we are to obey the rule. So here he says they do rule over you. We are to respond by submitting ourselves. Why they they watch up for you. so so this is this is very clearly talking about spiritual leadership. And it goes on, and they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for it is unprofitable for you. And so this is spiritual authority. So civil authority watches over our civil or natural life. Spiritual authority according to this verse watches out for our spiritual life. And it tells us that these spiritual leaders or the authority that God has set up spiritually uh, have to give an account to God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our government was accountable? Now they say they are, but uh, you, you know, but uh, here spiritual authority Is accountable to God, and they will have to stand before God in the day of the Lord at the beam of seat and give account of how they exercised their authority and how they they carried out their duties. And uh, you know, I don't know if we'll have time to look at a bunch of those things, but uh, you know, first Peter chapter 5 tells us these things, and so there is spiritual authority, but notice how are we to respond to them? It says to obey them. And so, is it scriptural to obey spiritual authority? Yes. Uh, Should we submit ourselves? Yes, according to the Bible. How do we respond to spiritual authority? We obey and we submit ourselves. Now, why do we have to do this? Well, just like the government, they that resist it resist what God set up. Whatever God sets up, we have no right, we have no excuse to resist it. And, you know, just for other scriptures, uh, and we all know these things, and um, you don't need to turn there, but Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, for he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints... For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, God set up these spiritual leaders and gave them a job description. The perfecting or the equipping of the saints. Why do these spiritual authority equip the saints? And I like this, for the work of the ministry. Now, if you just read this casually, you look at, you know what an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher's job is, is to do the work of the ministry. But that's not what it's saying. These ministry gifts or these spiritual authorities have been set up to equip you in the chairs to do what? The work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. That means to add, to build. You know, so it isn't the preacher's job to build the church and bring people in. It is the congregation's part. And so... Um, It's very interesting, most American churches, now when I say most American churches, I'm not talking about our circles, because we try to believe that we're a little bit more enlightened. But they say that 89% of people that go to church believe it's the pastor's job to take care of the congregation's needs. 89%. And only 11%... uh, Believes or you know testifies that no no it's the pastor's job to put me to work the pastor's job is to train me show me how to do the work of the ministry well we, we see it here clearly that uh, these spiritual authorities were set by God notice he set some he put them in place and so just like civil authority God set up spiritual authority now brings us the next question. God did set these up. We, we, we gave a couple of scriptures here and we could look at more and more, but you understand that. God set up spiritual authority. We are to obey and we are to submit ourselves. Now, are there any repercussions if we choose not to heed this? If we choose to resist, rebel, or even neglect spiritual authority. We saw it very clearly in Romans twelve, two. He that resisteth resist what God has set up, and they that resist or rebel shall what? Receive damnation, condemnation, judgment. So is there repercussions in violating, obeying, submitting to spiritual authority? Well, again, let's let's look at this. Hebrews 1317. Obey them that have rule over you. So they do have rule over you. We're to obey them. And we are to submit or subject ourselves. Why? Uh, for they watch over your souls. They will give an account to Jesus for your spiritual life. And uh, for they must give an account. Now it says something very, very interesting. Now, how many know this is in the Bible? And I love something that Jesus told Brother Hagin, and I love this, and I refer to it a whole lot. Jesus told Brother Hagin, my spiritual father, the whole Bible is true. Isn't that revelation? (laughs) Let's just dismiss and meditate on that tonight. The whole Bible is true, not just the parts that you preach on. And how many know uh, Paul said this, I've not shunned declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Now, don't get me wrong. Brother Hagin was called by Jesus, go teach my people faith. So primarily he taught faith and healing. And he he taught the move of the Holy Ghost, directed by the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, uh, no one can be a... um, skillful on teaching everything the Bible. That's why we have specialists, you know, folks that are called to teach on healing or prosperity or end times, and that way we can get more revelation from individual topics. But we have to understand if it's in the Bible, the whole Bible is true, and the book of Hebrews chapter 13 is written to Christians. Now, they watch over so they may give count that they, meaning the spiritual authority in your life, may do it with joy and not with grief. Let me ask you this. How many, how many sermons have you heard about this? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But how many know it's in the Bible? So here, God says, when it comes to, to your, your spiritual leaders, God says, my plan is they enjoy what they're doing. They enjoy watching over your souls. They, they enjoy preaching in their leadership. Now, um, that they may do it with joy, not with grief. Now, very interesting. Who does God address to make sure that your leader has joy in leading you? Yeah, it's very clear there. He he says, now, obey them. Well, we'll be 10 pastors, God is it. Obey them, submit yourselves, and make sure he does it with joy leading over you. Well, he's not talking to the preacher. He's not talking about the spiritual. He is talking to the congregation. And so you have a job description when it comes to your spiritual leader. Of course, we have other family churches here. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, primarily it'd be the pastor that if you're sitting in the church, according to the scripture, it is your job that your pastor enjoys pastoring you. It says, now make sure he does it with joy. Okay, now I understand that there's, there's two parts. There's balance to everything. You know, there, there, there is a pastor side. You know, a pastor side has to have the right motives. You know, I often say if a, a pastor ever complains about his congregation, he disqualifies himself from pastoring. A true pastor would say, I have the best congregation in the world. Even if they only have three people. And... Um, you know, they're a work in progress. A true pastor will will love them. Will, we'll, you know, just say I have the best and, and give us all and just have the right motives. And again, First Peter chapter 5 talks about these things, about to do it willingly and not with constraints. So we understand there, there is a pastoral part and those things are addressed in other portions of Scripture, but we're just kind of looking at the congregational part where it says make sure... Your leader does his job with joy. Now, get this. What happens? You know, we we understand that when we don't submit, subject ourselves to civil authority, we can receive condemnation or judgment. What happens when a minister doesn't have joy? Notice what the Word says. The Bible says it is unprofitable for who? You. All right, I'm gonna go back here. We're gonna make, okay. The Bible says when Pastor Scott is the spiritual authority, we are to submit and to obey and make sure his job is done with joy. That he enjoys doing what he does, he enjoys pastoring you. And if he doesn't, The Bible says it's unprofitable for who? You. Me. So there's a spiritual law here. And again, I'm not trying to exhaust something that the Bible doesn't clearly... We'll we'll just swipe this thing clean. You know, after we're done. So we saw it with civil authority. God set it up. This is what you do. And if you don't do it, hasta la vista, baby. You know, judgment. Here because we're under grace and Jesus such a loving and kind and precious shepherd he says make sure the man and woman of God that I set in your life does it with joy if not it's not going to go well with you it's not going to be profitable for you now let's take a little time here shall we let's look at a couple of things that they may not have grief. So, we got to ask ourselves, what would cause my pastor, my spiritual leader, my man or woman of God to have grief? Because I would want to avoid this because if they do it in grief, it's unprofitable for me. And what does it mean to be unprofitable? So, remember this, what causes grief we want to avoid that. And what, ugly, what, what does it mean to be unprofitable for me? And so let, let's take a little time here. What would give a minister grief? So Pastor Scott, why don't you have a mic and just let it all out, son. Let it all out. <laughs> See, it's great when people work for you. You can do this stuff and they can't quit, you know. All right. There'd be an open mic for ministers. (laughs) All right. Let's first of all divine grief. Of course, the New Testament was written in Greek. And if you have your iPads and look this up, in the Greek, grief means to sigh. Uh, To moan. To groan. To complain. And it's talking about make. His life difficult. Now, Nancy and I, we love German shepherds, and um, you know, you ever hear if you're 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 doing something and a German shepherd don't like? I don't know if you know this. They go, they moan. (laughs) What is it? They know they got to put up with it, but they're letting you know I don't like it. (laughs) You know, pastors. Oh, Oh, I put the smile on. They don't like it, but they know they have to do it for your sake and for His sake. And God says, don't let ever come to that concerning you. Yes. Don't ever make your, your pastor sigh, moan, groan. Now again, This is what the Bible says. All right. Well, can we cause a minister to sigh, moan, and groan? Well, evidently, Jesus thinks so. Because he puts it in the Bible. So, grief is moaning and groaning. Ah, or smiling a lot. All right. Biting your lip, biting your tongue. What would cause a minister grief? Because Jesus said, don't, don't let them be grieving over this. So, tell us, Jesus. Well, let, let's, let's look at, first of all, scripturally. Just some things in Scripture. Again, that could be a whole list, and we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on, on these things, but it's in the Word. Um. First of all, I think uh, one area scripturally, if you muzzle, if you muzzle your uh, pastor, what do I mean by muzzle? That means you don't pay him well. He, he struggles. Now, we know this in 1 Timothy five seventeen. Let the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor you know, really, a pastor ought to be paid twice as much as what the average income of the church is. Twice as much according to the Bible. Especially they that labor in word and doctrine. For the Scripture says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and a laborer is worthy of his reward. And so, uh, you know, a pastor can be faithfully serving and, and doing things. I know for the first 20 years I was greatly muzzled, and it was a test of my heart. Test. Not to moan, not to groan. Was God just proved me that here I remember so clear doing three services on a weekend. Three services, and I have a car that's falling apart. You know, I'm in debt supplying the church, and I get home, and we have no milk, no bread, and we're going through the couch trying. To, and, you know, here I have hundreds of people in the church. I'm starting churches and so forth, and yet extremely muzzled. And of course, it was a test of my heart. But I can honestly say, and was I tempted? Oh, yes, I was tempted. But I knew better, because you know, you read about the the children in the wilderness. What happens when you murmur and you complain? You know, it's not good for you. And so sometimes you pass the test. But yeah, yeah. So you know, um, I'm a firm believer that uh, you you're, you're, you know it being profitable for you if. If your minister supplied well, you'll be supplied well. If he suffers, you're going to suffer. Notice what Paul said, this, in Philippians. And we quote quote this "And my God should supply all your needs. You know, we take that, that God's going to supply all of our needs. But he says, my God. You know what he's saying? He said, you sent again and again to my necessity. What he is saying, as you have supplied me as I've received bounty, that's the same bounty my God's going to measure out to you. Amen. Remember, Jesus said, you give a cup of cold water just a disciple, you'll not lose a uh, reward. And so how you take care uh, of your spiritual leader uh, is a reflection of how you take care of Jesus. And if if you keep him poor and broke, you know, spiritual laws of sowing and reaping reaping will, will greatly be diminished in your own life. And so, there, there's a, a lot of things we look at this, and not, not only the minister, I think another uh, thing here script, Scripture, if the church is, is muzzled, when, when people don't give, when people don't tithe as they should, and can't carry, you know, I always tell people, I just need two things to get this job done. Number one, I need people. Number two, I need money. And, you know, sometimes you don't have the people and sometimes you don't have the money and go, oh, I really wish I could do something, but I can't right now. Now, I just looked this up for fun, just for fun. You know, because when you talk about this, oh, my God, don't go there. I looked this up and I looked at several stats, you know, and I just kind of rounded them together and and balanced them out. Only 5 to 20% of all churchgoers tithe. Yeah. Now, I understand our percentage ought to be... You know, our churches ought to have 100%. And if you're not tithing, it's going to be unprofitable for you. That's all I can say. (laughs) Yeah. And it said this, if every Christian tithe, meaning 10%, faith organizations would have an extra $139 billion a year. Yeah. All right. So if every church member would tithe, there'd be a full supply. But again, being muzzled scripturally. Uh, Number two, what causes a pastor to moan, to groan, to sigh, to have grief... Speaking against your pastor slash the church. Okay. Again, I'm just getting chapter. I mean, there's a whole lot of them. We can go down. But, um, you know, we have a lot to cover. Eventually, I want to get to what I want to talk about, in which I may not get to today, but we'll get there. Uh, speaking against your pastor and church. All one would have to do is look at Moses and you would be set for life of how to handle spiritual authority, how to handle your pastor, what you should do, and what you shouldn't do. Well, Moses was in the Old Testament, but notice what Acts 7.38 says. Now, just listen to this. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness, m- meaning Moses, with the angels spake in Mount Sinai, which our fathers received the lively oracles to give unto us. And so, according to the New Testament, You look at Moses, that's a type of church. Moses is a type of a spiritual leader, a type of a pastor. Now, let me ask you this. Did the congregation of Israel cause Moses grief? I don't know. You best read it because we don't have time. (laughs) Every chapter, bam. Again, again. I mean, highlight, highlight. Oh, my God. Let's just sum it up in one scripture. Psalm 106.32 And they angered him also at the waters of strife. So it Not Ill, it went ill with Moses for their sake. That just sums it up. They caused trouble, caused grief, and he, he had it. He had it, and he acted out because of the grief and the sorrow, and it didn't go well with Moses. And so... Um, the again, the New Testament tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.10, neither murmur ye as some of you murmured. They they murmured against Moses. They murmured against God. They murmured against the the vision that God gave Moses and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now these things happen to them for examples. Examples to who? Us. And they're written for our admonition or our learning upon whom the ends of the world will come. And so, All you would have to do is just see is it profitable to speak against your pastor? Is it profitable to speak bad about your church? We'll just, we just encourage you. If you think, well, I have a right, I'm American, read the account of Moses. Read that, learn from that, heed that. And God says, obey and submit. Because if you don't, he has grief, it's, it's not going to be unprofitable. It's going to be unprofitable for you. It was very unprofitable for the children of Israel to complain against Moses, complain about everything that Moses did, the leadership that he had, the church, and, and so forth. Okay? So, grief. And I mean, we can go on and on and on, but I, I really want to cover some other stuff. But just for fun again, <laughs> just on a whim, you know, I was going to go... We, so I asked a couple of pastors. We 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 got we 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 got scripture about grief, but I asked a couple of pastors and you know uh, pastors that have experience and what caused them to have grief? So word of mouth. Okay. And I have five things, and again. If I had more time, I could put a survey and so forth. But I just asked some pastors I knew and says, hey, share with me, you know, give me some stats, you know, in your years of ministry. Okay, number one, the number one thing that causes a pastor grief is strife and division in the church. Not walking in love with other members. You know, that, that causes a pastor to moan and groan. You know, um, the Bible says that a a kingdom cannot stand when it's divided. Satan is the source of division. See, not only uh, does it cause the pastor a bit, but it affects the moving of the Spirit of God when there's strife in the church. And, um, you know, those things are unprofitable. You know, strife, and we, we, we've, you've heard me share this, Gordon to James. Wherever there's envy and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. That strife and division is barbecue for demons. That if you're miffed at someone in the church, you're not talking to them, you're speaking against them, it is not profitable for you. You're, 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 just, you're just kind of painting yourself with barbecue sauce and saying, hello demons, come and get me. You know, that type of thing. Again, grief. Whose job? So it's our job to make sure there's not strife and vision. I mean, all, each one of these can be a, a sermon in themselves. Not walking in love with, you know. And pastoring is like parenting. If you have kids... And you just love it when your kids fight and fuss and bicker and complain. You just love, oh, oh, I just love it, children, when you don't get along. No. You know, uh, when that happens, it irks your parents, you know, as parents. And, uh, you know, many times privileges are, are taken away because of strife and division not getting along. And so, same thing with pastoring. Number two, number two. Being unfaithful in attendance, serving, and giving. Unfaithful. Remember, a faithful man abounds in blessing. Just not showing up. Not showing up for church, putting other things before God. You know, you know again, a pastor gives an account for your souls and here he, 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 he ha- he's endeavoring, trying to help you, and you're not there. That's why Paul said, I long to see your face that I might impart. I got to see your face. And and yet now, you know, folks don't come to church. They just watch on live stream. I mean, a live stream is good if you're sick, out of town, traveling, and and so forth. Absolutely. But if you're well-abled, how many know you need to be here? And if you're not here and you can be here, how many know that's being unfaithful? Because the Bible says, not the forsaking, the assembly of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. Now That doesn't sound very positive now, is it? How many would like to, to go up to Jesus? Jesus, give me a pin. I'm the manner of some is. No, that, you know, that sounds like unprofitable. Unprofitable. You know, and all these things, being unfaithful, uh, tendance, serving, and giving. You know, just on a personal thing, I think what grieves me is, uh, you know, of course, how, how few people go to midweek services anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Then when, when we have like Dr. Webb and Pastor Nancy, when we have heavy hitters, such a small percentage of our church and the family churches actually come. Yes, yeah. yes, wow. Yeah. But you have to understand, it's parable of the sower. Understand, Jesus, who was the perfect pastor, the perfect minister in the parable sower, he sowed the word, and there was what? Five types of soil. No, pastor four. No, five. The four that Jesus recorded were the only ones that actually showed up to church. There, there, there are a vast majority that never show and therefore they never get the word planted in their hearts and therefore they never receive what God has for them. Then, you know, then there's a wayside and there's a stony ground and there, uh, then there's the thorny ground. But only one quarter of those that sat under the ministry of Jesus actually produced fruit. And of that one quarter, only one third reached the full potential of that. So less than 10%. So we're doing pretty good. We're probably doing about Jesus. We're doing about Jesus. But I mean, you don't want to be in a vast majority. You, you, you want to, to be faithful and show the Lord. Well, the Lord knows my heart, and I just stay home, and be good. You know, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. The Lord knows your heart, knows you're lazy, and you're unspiritual, and you really don't love Him. That's what He says. Oops, did I say that? We're not Sunday morning. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> Grief. This is in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, one pastor wrote this walking away from all that you put into them, especially when their lives were changed and been with you for years. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's happened more times than a count. I mean, I've mentored people. I've invested $1,000 in the Bible school. I've done, you know, uh, I even had one one person that I did all these things, spent $1,000, mentored, changed his life, and so forth, and uh, um, just turned around and stabbed me in the back. You know, do you take personally? No. You know, that's the beauty of my personality, you know, and, and so forth, but it became very unprofitable for him, very unprofitable for him you know you, there are spiritual laws. Brother Hagen said this: it is a dangerous thing dangerous thing to come up to light and to walk away from it you know and uh, you know how many people have been healed how many people have been say you know i've had people heal the cancer and leave the church Ten, depression for 10 years set free I laid hands on him I'm free I'm free yeah you're so free I can't see yeah yeah to, to walk away and especially if you you, you you had a leadership and just to walk away that, that's a danger that's very unprofitable for you alright um, another, another pastor said this Missing services where the Holy Ghost had their answer. That God gives the pastor a message, inspired of God, and uh, he preaches, and you're not there for it. Then they add, then you call him later that week, I need counseling about the very thing he shared that Sunday. Um, And we we understand this. The Sunday morning, or if you're a Saturday night person in some of the churches, um, you know that uh, church is your mailbox. That's where you get your mail. And so to ask the pastor for counseling and not going to church is like calling the mailman and says, would, you know, would you get the mail out of my mailbox and bring it to me and open up my letters for me? You know, that's not his job. Uh, your job, his job is to deliver the mail. Your job is to open it up, to be there, pick it up, and open it. And so the same thing. Same thing, missing. Uh, and uh, they even said like often a word of knowledge would come and, and then folks wouldn't respond. And then after the services, oh yeah, that was me. <laughs> you know, again, sometimes people just need to, to grow you know and so forth. Um, another pastor wrote, a lack of growth, lack of change after being in the church for years, following the same sins again and again, no growth, no productivity. How I many you know, healthy living things grow. You, you ought to be growing every year, you know, and so forth. And so that, that causes grief. And so, um, now, very interesting. One pastor wrote this, an interesting perspective. And I just thought it was so good, I wanted to share this. Um, and he, he said this. Basically, I had a guy in my church who I knew that I was doing a building project, and, and he offered help. To help me, and he could have been a big help and would have been a blessing for me and a blessing for him, but because he caused so much trouble, I, I could not have him help me. And uh, and the Lord reminded me this verse: how it would be unprofitable because of the problems he's caused. I mean, you know, whenever you help someone, you're sowing especially you're sowing to church, maybe you're sowing to the pastor, you're sowing, and here he was caught off from the opportunity to help because of all the problems. And the Lord uh, reminded him of this verse, it was unprofitable for him. He could have been blessed, the church could have been blessed, but because uh, he, he caused strife and division, he was caught off from those things. And so, grief... Whose job is to make sure the pastor don't have grief? Don't be a troubled sheep. Don't be a troubled sheep. Because you've got to understand, shepherds are under shepherds. You, know, you know, some folks just think, you know, that well, I can, I can do anything I can want in church and the pastor. You understand how you treat the pastor is how you treat Jesus. How you speak, how you treat the church is how you treat something that God has set up. And so there, there ought to be, ought to be a, a sobriety concerning these things. Now, why should we not give our ministers grief? The Bible says it's unprofitable for you. The word unprofitable means there's no advantage, no help or benefit. Now, we saw this when Jesus went to his own hometown. Here God had something for the people of Nazareth. Jesus wanted to give something to the people of Nazareth. And it says he could there do no mighty work. It's spiritual law. Why? He says a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Because they didn't honor him, didn't respect him. Therefore what God had on Jesus, what Jesus had to give could not be received by the recipients. And it's the same thing with your pastor in your local church. The Bible says this they that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And if you despise your pastor, now, despise doesn't mean to loathe or hate them. It means it just simply means you don't honor them the way you should. It, it, you know, you didn't, he's Joe. You know, oh, that's his opinion. The church is this and that. Just to treat lightly. God says, they that honor me. And again, civil authority. He that resists, resists what God set up. Yeah. He that resist spiritual authority or dishonor spiritual authority dishonors God. And what does the Bible say? They that dishonor me I will dishonor. They that will be lightly esteemed. And so that, that is unprofitable. We see it in the ministry of Jesus but um, other translations of unprofitable. And so we can understand that. that a good rule of thumb is this if you go to church and you listen to your pastor, and you know you're called that church, and you don't get anything out of the message, guess whose fault that is? The pastor, he is unspiritual. He keeps missing the message. And again, I, I told you stories that people say, something's wrong with you, pastor. Something's wrong with you. I used to get stuff. I used to get stuff, but now I don't get anything, and I have 15 things you need to change about the church yeah sat me down and of course you know what I did I smiled yeah I just smiled so well well sister I'm not going to change and so there there's a door no no God set me here to change you straighten you out and good luck with that and of course nevertheless it was unprofitable for her I, I don't need to do anything why God takes care of my battles Moses didn't get a shovel and say, I damn you, get in the grave. No. The, the, see, there, there, is, there is a balance here. When, when you defy spiritual authority, it isn't as severe as in Moses' day because we're under grace. But it will catch up with you if you don't repent. It said, even of Jezebel, I gave her space to repent, she would not and therefore Judgment fell. And so there are judgments here. Unprofitable. And the word unprofitable in some translations means hurtful. Harmful. Deplorable circumstances. And even one translation says it'll be fatal for you. And is this this New Testament? 1 Corinthians 11. For this cause... Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So there's a cause. Not for all things, but for many. And it didn't say some, it said many. Go ahead and put that scripture up. First Corinthians 11, I think it was verse 23 maybe, something like this for this cause. He said many. Now what, what was the sin? Not discerning. The body of Christ. Now we understand the physical body of the communion, but how many you know the body of Christ? Edwin, do you study your Bible? There you go, verse 30. Okay, I was off seven. For this cause, many are weak. For this cause, many are sickly. And for this cause, many sleep or die too early. So there's a cause for these things. Discerning the Lord's body. Now we understand that the first thing, if you don 't know that jesus 's body was broken, that we might be whole you 'll never appropriate the promise of a God, and you know you 'll be sick and weakly, and you 'd die early without knowing Jesus as your healer. But you also have to understand that Jesus is a spiritual body. The body of Christ is one. Paul addressed this in 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, 13 and 14. And and of course 11 as well. That uh, we are the body of Christ. And God has set everyone in the body as it has pleased Him. You know God sets people in Churches. We don't choose a church. God places us in a church. And if we don't discern our place in the church and say, well, bless God, I don't need a pastor. Or I'll just tell the pastor I'm going to spread rumors about the pastor. Or "I, I cause strife in the church. You're not discerning the body of Christ. And for this cause, many are weak, sickly, and many sleep. Can this happen? Yes, 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 and yes. Judgment comes. Now it got quiet. But it's true. Unprofitable. Number one, if we cause trouble in the local church, and I wish I had time. I I can show you uh, some things here um, about strife and division and and causing trouble in churches from 1 Corinthians and, and how that is the cause because strife and division don't you know, walk in love in church um, it, it'll cause judgment in this life but number you, you, you got to understand that everything we do we're going to stand before Jesus we got to stand before Jesus and he sets you there and uh, you know you may have a lot of opinions well I can do this I can do that but that's fine honey you're watching right now but one day You're going to stand before Jesus and give an account. And he's going to say, well, why weren't you in church? Why weren't you fulfilling your role? Well, I thought it could be, but that isn't going to fly. you got to understand, when it comes to these things, the Bible talks about every joint that supplieth. In the context, God has placed everyone that's pleased him, that God has set you in a certain place to receive divine grace, divine equipment by being in the right place. Have you ever heard about the phrase being out of joint? That's so wonderful for the body, isn't it? No, you're out of joint, that's painful and so forth. When when you're out of joint, uh, it causes harm to the body. Christ causes harm to you. And it's very, very important that you find out where you're to be. You know, God has led many, many, many people to churches. We've had them here. God said for me to come. Wonderful, I've received your testimony. But they have left not because God told them to leave, because of offense. Now, who is the author of offense? Is that God leading you? No, it's the devil leading you. When you leave a church, now, I don't know why I'm saying this, over an offense. If you're ever offended, you have just submitted to the devil. You you submitted. I I, I, want to get to a place... I eventually we want to teach on this, and I—if we don't get in this map I'm just going to call it special night. Get, I got to get this out. Of how to respond to your leader when he's wrong? How to respond? Because you all ought to have the privilege of having a leader to throw spears at you. Oh, pastor, you got off deep end. No, you look at David. David was called the Saul. Saul threw spears at him. And you know what David did? He was a good American. He grabbed that spear and threw three back at Saul and smote him and put him on Facebook and, and told everybody how horrible King Saul was. No. What did David say? I won't do anything or say anything against God's anointed. And what God say about David, there's a man after my own heart. And see, there's a balance. See, when because it didn't say straighten out your leader. It said to obey and submit them. You never straighten out your leader. You never spread things about your leader. You never spread anything about your leader, That's, it's unprofitable for you. You're opening up to judgment when you speak and, and whisper and talk to people about that. Your job is obey and submit. And if you do your part, God will judge the leader if he's wrong. But it's not your part to judge. See, your, your part is to obey and submit unless God tells you otherwise. Because you lose this beautiful opportunity to show that, that you're of a faithful spirit. See, people can be faithful when it's easy and kind, nice, but can be faithful when it's tough and rough. And, and that's why, um, you know, and I, I want to swipe it clean, God, God tells you even at work, just, just don't work for the nice guys and submit. No, the forward ones, the hard ones. And he said, such suffering pleases God. What is it showing? It's showing that you're a Christian of character. That you're not petty and offended over every little whim, and I tell my boys, and they can quote this. My boys miss it. God will test your heart by the weakness of your leaders, because all, all leaders will have weaknesses, and what you do with it determines your heart before God. See, eventually I want to get to it, but I got so you know they say with these big evergreen trees, you know that the huge huge trees, that very often you have to cut all the trees underneath it in order to slay the, the big tree. That's all I've been doing. Because I, I want to slay this, especially with that spirit of America. That's oh, I can do whatever I want. Well, you can, American, but if you're Christian, you obey and submit. You learn how to operate in God's authority, not your authority. And there, there's so many rebellious people rebellious and they're wondering why things aren't working God isn't answering their prayers you know it's because they're not discerning the body of Christ and I don't know why I got off on that but um, God know your place it's unprofitable oh there's so much I want to share you know I, I know this you, and, and we understand, I, I, I could tell you story after story. Why don't you give me five more minutes? Yeah. Yeah. On, I could tell you story after story of folks that left their place. Every pastor could. I remember there there was a a civil leader that came to our church. He had a position, a civil position, not mentioning names. And he came, got born again. I think he got filled with the little I think he got healed. He come with tears and eyes. I've never heard such a thing. My life's been changed. My life's been changed. God began to bless them and, and to help them. And, and he knew he was called this church. But, you know, his, his grandpa and his dad, they all belong to a, a traditional church's family. Pulled them away. Pulled them away from the place that God called them to. And... Uh, and he told me, "You know, just my family. My, well, you, you got to do what you got to do." And you know, if your pastor gives you an okay, doesn't mean it's okay with God. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget when I ran into Walmart, my ministry. I looked in his eyes because I, I have no, I harbor nothing. I have thousands of people left my church. I see them all the time in Walmart, hug their neck, love them. You know, I, I don't take anything personally. They don't stand before me; they're going to stand before Jesus. And uh, and I remember looking in his eyes. The remorse, the sorrow, and the fear that was in his eyes. And uh, he, he contacted a sickness. And there's no healing in his church. And he died. And he could have lived. Well, pastor, you're being awfully, awfully severe. Let, let me tell you another story while we're at it. I remember we used to pray for cards, you know, uh, as a staff. And now just my wife and I will pray over the the people's prayer requests, but we used to collect them. And I remember getting on my knees and praying for a certain individual who received a miracle in our church. And they're asking prayer for one of their family members to receive a miracle as well. You know, God's a God of miracles. And um, I got on my knees, and of course I was praying with all my face, and the Holy Ghost said, get up from there, don't pray for him mad. He says, he's going to get exactly what his church teaches. I had to put that in my spiritual pot and smell it for a while. Yeah. For this cause. Learning to obey and submit. You know, it's unprofitable. There's a reason why people aren't profiting. Yay. Yeah. Then, then I can go on ministers. You know, we ministers tell the sheep. You know, you got to be where you're planted. You got to stay looked up to your pastor. How many ministers are rebellious against their spiritual fathers? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was close. You know, I served for I served as a director ten years for Kenneth E. Hagin. I mean, I was over ministers. I contacted them, so I, I knew some things concerning the ministry. And then I was, at, of course, very close to Dr. Frane. I served in fresh oil as well. And I'm simply amazed of how carnal and how petty a lot of ministers are. Here, they, 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 they tell the church to be faithful and then stick. And, and they get offended over one little thing. And they leave their man of God. And every single one of them Suffered. Every single one of them. I know they lose their church. They lose their congregation. They're no longer in ministry. They're afflicted in their bodies. And they're asking anyone for prayer. And they cannot connect the dots. You separate from your man of God. We know that happens to sheep. But you got to understand this. According to James. A minister will receive a stricter judgment. Yeah. The devil will always try to separate you from your spiritual the- authority. Always. Whether you're a congregation member or your minister. Oh. Yeah. And, and, and God says obey. Submit. You don't give Maslavisa. You don't give them the finger. You don't slam the door. You don't cause grief. How can I help? How can I serve? But anyway, I'm going to meddling now. We'll just... Again, cutting all the little trees, I, I want to get to that big tree, and, and there 's a balance, to all these things, and if we don 't get to you've got to understand your job is obey and submit it 's god 's job to judge, Good. never your job to judge, but I've got to be in my place i've got to be in my place, you've got to be in your place, and we don 't want to give our ministers grief now. All you pastors, I'm expecting a big offering because I just shared everything you told me to share here tonight. But let me know these things are true. It's not something you hear every day, but these are spiritual laws. Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that we can hear these things. Father, we can receive these things. And Father, thank you for the precious congregation that's mature enough where these things can be communicated. And Lord, we, we, we pray for those that have separated themselves. That Father, have separated from their place. And Lord, we, we pray in your goodness and mercy to bring them back to their place. Work them, work in them to the will and do of your good pleasure. For those in congregations, Father, that have drifted away to restore. That way that the blessing of God can flow. For ministers that have separated themselves from their spiritual leader that God set up. Father, we, we pray and we reach out in faith to restore those as well. And Lord, help us. Help us to love you. Help us to honor you. Help us to get this job done. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Master. Ah, Iskuto Yekum Dre A and the Tokola. Dre Bape Tota. Dre Bapa non Anda Kundeka. Dra. Sutra,, Sutra, Meheto, Pakundoku peleta. In these last days, I, the Lord, get my armies ready. An army to thwart off the works of Satan, to bring the great harvest of God in. Like any army, submission and authority is needed. Submission, submitting yourself under rank is enabling you to carry the work of God on. To have opinions, to have resistance. So many fail to see is not just resisting Man, it's resisting me, and resisting the work that I must carry on in the earth. So see yourself as a soldier of the Lord. See yourself as one says, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I'll do it even though I don't understand. And I just delight to be used. I delight to go forward. I delight to see the hand of God work in me. Such a spirit I am looking for in these days, saith the Lord. A spirit of humility, a spirit of submission, as a spirit I can use in these days. So check your hearts. Put aside petty differences, petty grievances, and seek me and obey me. And you shall see in these last days... What I do, because you're part of my mighty army. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Thank you, my master. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I see that, Lord. Lord. Why are all these tests and trials in my life? Why does it seem I go from one crisis to another crisis? Why does it seem like my answer is not near? I, the Lord, would say to you, go back and examine your heart. Go back and see where a violation of love was in your life. See, every step out of love is a step into Satan's kingdom and my hand of protection, my hand provision cannot come as long as you don't walk in love. But my blood is more, more than efficient. Just plead the blood and ask forgiveness. Make amends and you shall see that your prayers and your answers shall spring forth speedily. No longer it shall be such a long time before the answer comes, but be even before you call. I will answer. And you'll see things uh, turn around almost overnight just by a simple adjustment in your heart that you can make this night. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, who's that for? Well, Brother Hagin says it's forever who it applies to and it'll come to pass whoever acts on that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, not to hurt us. Not to hurt us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you for helping us. We thank you, Jesus, for these things. Yeah. Yeah, but I've been hurt. I've been hurt. And that hurt is still there. the purpose in your heart saith the lord to say lord restore my soul restore the joy of my salvation and your job says the lord is no longer to muse no longer to think over that offense or how you they've done you wrong but say i choose to forgive i choose to forget And every time Satan brings that account back to me, I'll rejoice and say, the Lord has healed my heart. I no longer dwell on the past. I look forward and my future is bright. Ah, then that hurt on the inside will no longer be. you look for it and it'll not be there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, my master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, what is this operation? The prophet's office. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise you. We magnify you. Anything else, my master? And I hear this in my heart, but I made so many mistakes. I made mistakes in the past. I knew that I did this and I did that. And the holding on to your past is keeping you from your present and your future. The Apostle Paul said to forget those things that are behind. And I heard him say this, you got to learn to forgive yourself. Not to dwell on the mistakes of the past. They're under the blood. Not to look back, but to look forward and to press forward to that which is before. The high calling of God. Any runner running race looking backwards will stumble and fall and get out of their lane. So no longer dwell on the mistakes of the past. Forgive yourself, forgive others. Don't dwell, don't meditate on And press forward, look forward. Always look ahead. There's so much potential within you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my master. Hallelujah. Maybe if we can have the worship team. Hallelujah, Jesus! How many sense the presence of God? Thank you, my Master.
1: There is a name I long to hear. I love to sing. It's worth. It sounds like music in my ear The sweetest name on earth Oh, how I love Jesus Oh, how I love Jesus Oh, how I love Jesus because, because he first loved me. me There is a name I long oh. to hear I love oh. to sing its worth It sounds like music in my ear The sweetest name on earth Oh, How I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because He first loved me.
0: Well, we certainly love and appreciate you, and appreciate you coming out and putting up with me. We love you. You're dismissed.